Want to have your very own free-range egg farming business? Welcome to Green Grass Egg Farming Podcast with Daniel O'Brien, the show dedicated to giving you the latest tips, ideas and interviews to help you produce the best tasting free-range eggs and sell your eggs for the highest price. And here's your host, Daniel O'Brien. Daniel O'Brien here. Welcome back to Green Grass Egg Farming. Today, I am talking with Kerry Dean from Saddle Mountain Homestead in Queensland. How are you, Kerry? I'm good, thank you, Daniel. Excellent. Today, I just want to talk about a bit of a case study of uh, from you, Kerry, of where you're located, what, where you were at before you had chickens and then where you're at now. So how about you start with a bit about your farm and the location of your farm? Okay, so we're located in Townsville, just up in the hills behind it. So we're in Harvey's Range. Uh, so we're about 400 metres above sea level, so it's a lot cooler and, and fresher up here. Um, yeah, we've been operating for nearly two years, um, and it's uh, definitely had its challenges, um, but, yeah, definitely a positive move. Prior to doing chicken farming, I was a stay-at-home mum. Um, so this is a massive tree change for me, but, yeah, loving it. So what made you um, decide to, to go into chickens? What was your sort of research process of going, hey, I don't have chickens, but I want to have a chicken farm? What was that process for you? Well, it was a bit of an unusual one. My dad wanted to run some chickens with his cattle and things like that. So I started doing the research for him um, regarding that. Um, and then I started to think about, I can do this myself. Um, I needed to get back into the workforce. Uh, looking for a great lifestyle change. So I moved up onto acreage. Um, chickens are a smaller animal, so it's easier for me to manage. I was a single mum at the time, so um, it was easy for me to manage um, eggs. I probably thought it was a lot simpler than what it actually turned out to be. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, was, it was just a manageable thing that I could do on my own. So. Yeah, okay. So tell me about when you first started, how many chickens did you start with? And, and that was about two years ago, did you say? Yeah, December 15th, uh, two years ago. It's so nearly coming up to two years now. Yeah, okay. So we started off with, um, we got one of the chicken caravans. Um, I did my research into the different caravans and found that that was going to be the best one to suit me. Um, then we wanted to sort of hit the ground running. So we got 450 hens to start with, um, with one of the larger caravans. And yeah, we just worked with that. I did most things manually. Um, and yeah, got the caravan there. I was using temporary fencing at the time. Um, since then, I've changed to permanent fencing and just rotating the paddocks more. Um, but yeah, started off with 450, and that was a good number because it sort of threw us in the deep end a little bit, um, but manageable. Yeah, okay. So tell me about the marketing. So you've got your 450 hens, they start coming on the lay. How did you go about marketing those first lot of eggs? Well, the funny thing was, is when I first started the farm, the biggest thing I was worried about was keeping the chickens alive. Like I was so worried about the chickens and, and all of that. I never really took into account the marketing um, side of it. Luckily for me, I have a background in being a personal assistant, so admin, secretarial, that sort of thing comes natural to me. Um, so I hired a marketing lady um, and we started working towards what the brand was that I wanted. Um, and once I had the brand, it was difficult to sell the eggs before the chooks had laid the eggs. And then obviously once they started laying, they didn't stop. So I just contacted restaurants 
um, tried to tee up meetings with people, uh, just get a couple of people to listen to my story, just get a little bit of support. And once I had that little bit of support from a couple of, you know, high-end restaurants in Townsville and a couple of the organic stores, um, people started to know the brand and um, it just sort of grew from there. Okay. So where, you, where you're at, like in Townsville, there's, like I can think of other pockets of Australia, like Byron Bay and there's areas outside of Melbourne that they're really food hubs and there's already sort of pastured egg farms. So if, if you said, hey, we've got uh, free range chickens on grass in movable sheds, a lot of people would have heard about them. Approaching these places in Townsville, is this something that they'd heard about or were they quite open to or was this a new idea for them? Um, I'd say it was a bit more of a new idea. I think it was definitely well received, um, given it wasn't planned, but my farm kicked off at the same time as the whole pastured free-range and free-range stuff was in the news. So people were really interested. I constantly get people asking, can we just come and have a look at your farm? Um, the restaurants, I've had to uh, basically educate them in what the difference between free-range and pastured free-range is as well. And just when I explain to people the farming that I do, they um, oh, I've ne- never met a person that hasn't been impressed by it. So, yeah, it's, it's just so different to um, yeah what we do see in the news of um, sort of tr- tricky words on egg cartons to make them sound better than they are. So, for for a lot of people, it is that breath of fresh air when they go, oh, this is actually a genuine farm. Yeah, and I've got a bit of a transparency at my farm too. As long as I'm here, I'm happy on the weekends for people to come up and I'll take biosecurity obviously is enforced, but I can take them down and they can actually see the chickens running around. They can see the caravans. They can see that the chooks are, you know, they're well looked after. They've got food. They've got water. Um, there's no smell. There's no, like, not a lot, no noise. Um, so they're quite happy, I think, then when they see the chickens out there, they're, they're morals, they're doing the right thing um, in their own eyes, and they're a bit happier to eat the eggs, given that fact. Yeah, so what sort of people come out? Are they some of the restaurant owners or end consumers? Um, probably more end consumers. Luckily, with where I'm located, there's the Heritage Tea Rooms, which is a really old building, rustic and beautiful, and they have hundreds of people that come up to the tea rooms on the weekends, especially on the weekend. Um, and then some of those people come to the farm um, and just have a look, uh, just to see. I've got a sign on the highway there that says we're open, and you know they're just people looking for something to do on a Sunday, and people don't. Um, People don't know where their food comes from anymore. So to actually come here and be able to see the chickens running around and actually speak to the owner of the business who, I mean, you can ask me any question about it and I'll tell you what we do. So I think that's why people are are quite happy. I have had um, restaurant people come up here um, and they're obviously quite impressed too because then they can have a bit of faith in where their food's coming from as well. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It's one central theme to marketing pastured eggs well is just transparency whether that be on instagram facebook website in person field days open days just to have that transparency because it it i speak about it all the time it's just the opposite to the food industry and people like that to go right you're actually not trying to hide anything so i think it's great that you've got a sign on the highway to um, send send people in. So of those people that would see the sign, how many of those would not know you existed and versus they buy eggs off you and you go, oh, I've been meaning to come and check this out sometime? 
Um, probably 50-50. I do have some people that come up and buy them from the farm gate. Just Again, just because it's a thing to do on a Sunday, they drive up, um, they have a chat and, and have a look, really. Um, and then I've got um, the other people who I've never... We just drove past you, so i never heard of you before. Um, so that just shows me that there is a, I've still got a long way to go with marketing. Um, just to tell people that I am here, I don't want to take over the world with my eggs, um, but I just offer a good product and I just want people to be able to come here and be comfortable with that. So, Yeah, okay. So two, two years ago, you, uh, you started with 450 hens. Where did, mm-hmm. where did you go uh, after that? Like when was the, the next uh, in, increase in your flock after those initial 450 hens? That was about four months later. So we jumped up. Um, I wanted to keep the rotation of the flock so I could have 5,000 hens on my property. Uh, so I just wanted to keep the rotation for the size difference as the eggs increased in size. But I had another flock coming up along behind. Um, and then so basically every three to four months, we get another um, another 450. Okay. So, how, so have you got at the moment a three or four different uh, age groups, um, like three or four different flocks with different age groups? Is, would that be right? Yep, that's right. So they've got different coloured leg tags on their on their legs, so I can tell who belongs with who. Um, and uh, yeah, so we just um, they, when one flock, um, we are lucky enough that we don't have to cull um, any of our hens. We uh, manage to on sell them all. Um, so we um, we sell those guys off, and then the new chooks arrive. And yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, right. So t- tell me the process of um, selling off those those old, old birds, so you don't have to cull. Uh, well, due to my location, it's pretty easy, actually. I put an ad on Facebook. Um, I'm not into Instagram just yet. Um, but it's put an ad up on Facebook uh, and on Gumtree, and I get heaps and heaps of people. It's nothing for us to sell 200 hens on a Saturday morning. Um, so I just tell people, yes, write their name down, how many they want. The night before, we've created the small pen up the front because obviously I don't want too many people coming onto the farm at once. Um, we've created a small hen, uh, pen at the front. We go and collect the hens the night before while they're asleep um, and then bring them up to the, the front pen. In the morning, they've got their food and water in there. People just start rocking up and pop them into the boxes and off they go. Right. Yeah. It sounds like you've got a good system there and obviously your, your location, there's enough people that, um, are, are warning hens just for their backyard, I take it. Yeah, definitely. We, um, oh, in any given week, I'd have two or three people messaging me saying, have you got any hens available? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't do it obviously all that often, but I try and sell and then maybe another week or two later I'll sell some more just, just to, sort of depending. It depends on my demand as well. The demand's starting to um, drop off a little bit at the moment due to the tourism season's over. It's starting to get a bit hot up here now. So people yeah. are not really, um, the tourists are not coming up as much. Um, so things are, the restaurants are getting a little bit quieter um, and just the general foot traffic is a lot quieter through Townsville. Yeah, okay. So you, you mentioned before, so you've got um, different flocks of eight and different ages. So you started mm-hmm. with, the, with the temporary fence. T- tell me mm-hmm. um, your experience with the temporary fence and why you've now moved to uh, permanent fences because they've both got pros and cons, but I'd love to sort of hear your journey of um, why you've sort of transitioned. 
Yeah, so we had the, um, the electric fence netting that you push into the ground. Um, up here, it obviously can get very, very dry. So we, um, when it rains, it really rains. Um, but I was finding that it was getting very difficult for me to get the netting into the ground. And when I'm supposed to move it every couple of days, put in a new fence in around, etc., it was just, it was just a lot of work. Um, the nets were, they're not heavy, but when you're doing, you know, four times 50 metres of them, they are, they do get a bit heavy. Yeah. Um, so we just decided that we put permanent fencing in throughout the property. So I think we've got four, six, probably about 15, 16 different paddocks up here now. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just easier for us to open the gate, go through. They're large paddocks. Um, and uh, some of them now, we've got some ducks as well. So they uh, ducks are now in with the new orchards that we've planted. So with the other ones, it's just easier. It's, um, it's a high fencing with a barb on the top. We maybe get an occasional chook that gets out of it. It's a dingo-proof fence because it is part of it is also my perimeter fence. Yep. So that stops any predators as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that, yeah, that, that, that obviously makes sense. You, you, you've planned out your paddocks. You've you put the fence in, um, yeah, being being dingo proof and and cut on labor so and the thing with with permanent fencing versus um movable it's different for every farm like if some farms got um big wide open spaces like flood plains where they're also got cattle and sheep and other things running sometimes you may not want to put chicken netting over all of it but um if you're more set up to to having the the chickens, you know where they want to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, permanent fencing in your case is, is definitely saving you yeah quite a bit of time each week in moving fences. Yeah, well, what we can also do because we rest paddocks, so um, these chooks will be in this paddock for a month or so, and then they will will move them at night across to their other paddocks. What we can also do is just leave the gates open, and we can let the cows and the goats roam around down there um, because. Within those paddocks, they form a bigger, like one large paddock off the house yard there. So we can lock them in there so the animals can still roam around in there and the chooks are in their paddock and the cows can then go in and out of all the others and do what they do. So it's um, it, it works really, really well for us. So I think I would be um, exhausted if I had to keep doing this. Yeah. The uh, yeah. So tell tell me a bit more about the the cattle and the goats and how how they work. Um, do you try and follow the cattle with the chickens, or do they work independently? Oh, uh, at the moment they're sort of independently. Um, we've just we've just had some rain, so it's beautiful and green, and I've actually just had to start mowing again. Uh, we have been short on feed up here, so. Um, we actually had the cows out in, a, in quite a large paddock. Um, we don't really put the two together, um, but it's just because it's just something we've never done. I've only got 10 cows, so um, they're in a different paddock at the moment. And then we really want to get them out into the bigger paddock where they can um, we can leave them and um, they can just roam around out there. But once the grass gets longer in here, we've got eight goats at the moment which just roam around not in with the chickens um, but they just help keep the laneways and just along the fence lines all down as well yeah right so you've got uh cows goats and chickens all there and ducks yeah so, oh, <laughs> yes, and, but... and ducks how many ducks have you got there uh 50 ducks okay and, and are they for um meat or egg production are uh, they for egg production okay so yeah, so that's it. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask how how do they work the the ducks? 
Uh, well, the ducks are kept separate um, from the chickens at all times, um, but uh, they live in where we planted an orchard. So we planted like 100 fruit trees. So they, um, <clears throat> excuse me, live in pens of 20 each and then we just pen them up at night so that when they lay their eggs, they lay them in the pen and in the morning we let them out and then get the eggs out. So just every afternoon the kids and I pop them away and then in the morning just let them out, collect the eggs. Right, and what are the the customers' responses to to the duck duck eggs? Like, why why are people um, purchasing duck eggs? Are they purchasing them for cooking or? Uh, yeah, I do have a pretty strong um, Asian following at the moment uh, with the pickled eggs. Um, so there's a lot of that going on at the moment, but I also a lot of people with just the baking. So either people are super excited to see them, or I can't believe that you'd possibly eat them. So basically, it's just like a giant chicken eggs so yeah I found it interesting I know a few years ago I had had a few ducks and and eating the eggs after being used to chicken eggs I just couldn't get used to them but um uh, I'm not one for really getting into baking but people just rave about how good they are for like scones or muffins or I forget what they're I'm not a baker so I don't know what they use them for but they said oh they just work so much better to hold your cake together so, um, yeah, and they apparently help it rise. Um, I've not, I'm not a baker either. I don't really have much spare time on my hands for that. But, yeah, um, yeah they, uh, people are definitely keen for them. So, um, yeah, so yeah, that was just another thing since I was doing eggs. Chicken eggs is predominantly the farm, 90% of it, and then the duck eggs is just a, a little added bonus. So with, with the duck eggs, did people ask you for the duck eggs and you started or you started and then offered them? Um, I was actually given five ducks. A lady saw an article in one of the newspapers about me and then she, for some reason, for medical reasons, she couldn't have her ducks anymore. She was unwell. Um, she said, would I like them? And I said, oh, I've never owned a duck before. Sure. Okay. So I popped them in the paddock and um, then obviously, yeah, there was a drake in there as well. So we had some little ducklings and that was quite cute. And then it just sort of thought, well, you know, you can't buy duck eggs in council. There's nowhere, backyard people sell a lot of them, but there's nowhere um, that's, you know, accredited, um, uh, as we say, Foods Queensland or whatnot that can do it. So I started with 20 ducks and thought I'll just see how it went. And then, yeah, the demand was quite big. I just had an order. So I've got an order for tomorrow's deliveries of 20 half dozens. And the guy just rang me and said, can I get another 20 half dozens? So yeah. he wants 40 half dozens tomorrow. So, um yeah, they, they, they can be quite popular, um, uh, just, especially within the different communities of people. Yeah, right. Okay. Hmm. So, so what, uh, so back to your chickens. So how, how many, how, how many chickens are you running all up there on your farm? Uh, about two, two and a half thousand. Yeah. Okay. So we've got five, five caravans at the moment. Um, one of those caravans, I do need to have a sale. They're probably the older girls now. So just to um, to sell those girls, something will happen before Christmas. And then my next lot of chooks will come in December. Actually, Christmas Eve or something, I think it is. Okay, right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, tell me, what, what do you see... Um, Going forward a few years, are you going to increase the chickens, the cattle, the, the ducks, the goats? What's uh, the next chapter for uh, Saddle Mountain Homestead? Oh, look, I'm probably stupid enough to increase all of them. Um, <laughs> we just, we've, just, we've just brought a bull. So um, we have the low-line cattle here and they're beautiful. So we definitely want to push forward with, the, with some more cows. Um, the goats, 
we're just sort of keeping them as lawnmowers at the moment. So um, we're not sure what we'll do with those. Chickens, if the demand's there, I'll definitely go with more chickens. Um, and the ducks will, yeah, if there's a demand for it, I guess then it's something that we can do. We, we know what we're doing. So it's uh, to increase the numbers, there's just a little bit of extra labour. We're, we're fully set up for everything now. Um, uh, yeah, just trying to push the farm gate sales, get people to come up. I mean, I live in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I just absolutely love it up here. Um, it's nice and cool. I'm surrounded by mountain ranges. I'm 400 metres above sea level. Um, it's just it's just a top spot to call home. Um, so just, yeah, basically just keep going with whatever the demand is. Yeah, excellent. Uh, fantastic. Well, uh, you've got uh, a lot on your plate there, a lot of animals to take care of. And I, and I think... Um, you really have grown it fast to look back like sort of two years ago, not having chickens to where you are now and two and a half thousand chickens and and ducks as well and goats and cows. So I think uh, you've just done a a fantastic job and it's great. um, People of Townsville can get quality pastured eggs and and also visit the farm to to have that level of transparency. So... Uh, I really appreciate you jumping on the call today. And if people want to find out more about your farm, uh, what's the best or website or Facebook page they should go check out? Yeah, it's pretty much Facebook. Um, yeah, so Saddle Mountain Homestead Free Range Eggs. Um, yeah, it's mainly it's updated very regularly. I'm always on there posting a photo or, or something about that's going on at the farm because there's always something happening up here. So that's probably the best way is through Facebook. Excellent. And I'd encourage anyone, if you're up in Townsville, go go for a drive up the hill and um, check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. No worries. Th- thanks for your time today, Carrie. All right. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Green Grass Egg Farming Podcast. For transcripts and other free resources, please go to greengrasseggfarming.com.